The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown in stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline, pylon, touchdown, and the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. Be sure to follow us on social media if you don't already. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 And head on over to puntandpass.com. For everything you need to stay up to date in the world of college football, it's got our blog up there. It's got our picks, which once again I went four and one, but Aaron, I gave us a win for the Georgia game. We both deserve it at this point. Our merchandise store, our YouTube page, everywhere the podcast is distributed, puntandpass.com. Go check it out. All right, my man. Congratulations on an awesome weekend. Um, it was fun to kind of sit at home, watch a bunch of college football. But most importantly, you called the SEC on CBS 330 game, of course. That was Florida at Tennessee. I thought you did a really good job. Uh, I saw a lot of great feedback. It was an okay game, but it was the best game on, so I know everybody was tuned in. Happy and proud of you, brother. That was awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I wish it was a little bit more of an exciting football game. And I guess it was for for a little bit when Tennessee took the lead and then uh, Florida just kind of put the, the, the pedal to the metal. And big props to you and your boys for giving me the quote of the night. Thank <laughs> yeah, you we could talk about that. Uh, I, I just had so many Tennessee fans hitting me up and just like, oh, my God, we love you for that comment right there. <laughs> so that was that was um, so I told my my play by play guy, Carter. Blackburn before the game. I'm like, listen, I'm hoping this is a good game. I think Tennessee may have uh, the ability to make this thing close because of their ability to run the football. Florida has Florida struggled defensively to stop the run. Maybe they can shorten this game and eat up some clock and keep it close. But, but if it gets ugly, I got to get this in at some point during the game. And <laughs> I'll let you say, because you're the one who, who sent me the text, uh, I think about Thursday. Yeah. Letting me know that I should get this into the broadcast. Yeah, this is great. So obviously Florida won 31 to 19. Um, it wasn't that competitive in the fourth quarter. I think that was pretty much expected. So I was talking with Aaron about it. And one of my really good friends, a longtime listener of the podcast, his name's Tony Morelli. He is a diehard Tennessee fan, diehard Tennessee fan. And Tennessee faithful want Jeremy Pruitt fired. They don't care who, Aaron, you could be the head coach. They don't care. They want him out. So he's telling me, oh, I see Aaron's calling the Florida-Tennessee game this weekend. I said, yes, he is. 
He goes, he will be the most popular man in the state of Tennessee if he works in a Hugh Freeze reference during the telecast. So I said, well, what do you mean? And Tony goes, well, it's going to be really cold this weekend in Knoxville. And that was a big storyline heading up to the game. Supposed to be bad weather. Can Florida handle it? Tony said, have Aaron say it's a little chilly in Knoxville this weekend. Maybe there's a freeze warning in the long-term forecast. Obviously, hint, hint, Hugh Freeze. So, Aaron, you texted me. I was texting you. Late in the fourth quarter, coming back from a break, you said, buddy, it's coming up. And go ahead, bring us through it. Yeah, and, and, and like I, I, I kind of told Carter ahead of the game to, like I said, if it gets ugly there in the fourth quarter, it's out of hand. I want to get this in there. And he teed me up. He knew what he I was did. going was with. Great. We came out of it, and he started talking about the coaching issues and and I think he may have said something about the weather too. So then I just perfectly jumped right on and just said, yeah, man, it's, it's been cold here tonight. It's been tough sledding. Um, and I tell you what, man, this freeze warning's coming in pretty strong right now <laughs> for this Tennessee football program. And, uh, that was great. And then after that, even my mom got it. She like texted me like, Oh my God, did you really just say that? <laughs> Dude, I was getting blown up too from Tony. He was bringing me, I mean, 50 plus tweets, from Vol Twitter. I mean, they were loving you. They were absolutely loving it. Um, obviously, you know, a great job. Listen, I and, and people are like, you know, you know, I was getting blown up with that. And then obviously the the, the comments that you and I both made uh, a few years ago about, you know, when Jeremy got the job, you know, I, I wasn't really sure if he was ready to take that next step as a head coach. And and listen, I like the guy, man. We had a great conversation with him on Friday. You feel for all a lot of these coaches around college football right now, just with obviously the difficulty of this season. But sure. you know, I said it on the broadcast too. I mean, when you look across the field and you see what Dan Mullen has done, and Dan Mullen inherited a better football team than what Jeremy Pruitt did. But I just think Vol fans see Dan Mullen is now going to be in the SEC championship game yep. three years in. Yep, he's had the best record of any of any Florida coach during his the first three years of yep. their career. You look at the rest of the SEC, Eli Drinkwich, another win for Missouri right now. Yep. Uh, Ole Miss is doing great uh, for, for you know, first year for Lane Kiffin. Um, obviously, Arkansas is a better football team than they were last year with Sam Pittman and now as the head coach. And all these guys first year. And then, like I said, with, with Dan Mullen at his third year now at, at Florida, and he's able to get to the SEC championship game, knock on the door to be in the playoffs, and you're one of the worst teams in the SEC. So... It's just, it's not a good look. And I look at this team heading into next year too. I don't see a lot changing the person. I mean, and then as we know, you, you need a quarterback. If you're going to win football nowadays, you just can't go in there and, and just run the football and play great defense. If you're going to be uh, a very competitive football team, I don't think they have the solution at quarterback. They better get yeah. a transfer they quarterback yep. who wants to come in because they get the running back. Offensive line, you know, they'll be fine next year. I think the receivers are good. But if they don't get a quarterback, if Jeremy if Jeremy Pruitt doesn't get canned after this year, he's going to get canned after next year because they're just not going to be a very good football team next year without a gunslinger. I agree with you. In the comments back when he first got fired, you just questioned if he had the right approach to be a CEO, which is what a college head football coach is. And a, there's no better time to gauge a CEO's ability than, than this season, right? And yes. that's what you're talking about. I mean, unprecedented, no spring practice, um, elongated um, fall camp leading up to a 10-game SEC-only schedule, and then the problems at quarterback, and then not having somebody with experience to step in there and take over the reins. 
Just a really tough situation. It does not help what Dan Mullen has done for Jeremy Pruitt. It does not help what Eli Drinkwitz, even Sam Pittman, is doing at Arkansas and Missouri, respectively. So who knows what's going to happen. I do think they'll stick with Pruitt for one more year. And I do think that Pruitt knows, and Jim Chaney knows, and everybody on that staff knows, we got to go get us a quarterback in the transfer portal. Surely that can happen. And if it does happen, like you just said, Aaron, the cupboard is not bare at Tennessee. So they did get a backdoor cover. Um, They were 17.5-point underdogs. They scored late. The fourth quarter, they got some trash points and um, cashed out for some vol betters. But... We'll continue to watch and see what happens. What a crazy year for Tennessee, though. 2-0, and longest winning streak, active winning streak in college football, I believe, at one point this season, yeah. dating Definitely back to last SEC. season. Definitely in yeah. the SEC. And then they were leading Georgia at halftime and have not won a game since. Um, mm. Crazy. Six Absolutely straight crazy. losses. And I'm I sure mean, they'll go could... to a bowl game, right? I mean, there's no win requirements for bowls this year. No, and I think I think everyone has been urged that if you get an invite to a bowl game, we want you to go. For sure. Uh, just for for more games and obviously for revenue purposes too, you need to go. So yes, they'll 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 go to the game. And I I I'm trying I'm drawing a blank right now on their schedule. Who are they scheduled to play? They got to play Vanderbilt. Okay. If, and then they got to play. I forget Missouri. Maybe have they played Missouri no, yet? Georgia's playing Missouri this weekend. Oh, that's right. But th- there's two more games left. Yes. So yes, they'll put, they'll play Missouri at the end of the season. Then. Wow. Correct. No, yeah, they I, already beat Missouri. Oh, they did beat Missouri. Okay, let's look at Tennessee's schedule here. Excuse us for one second. A and M. Uh oh. That might not be too good. The three, three and seven. That's right. Um, speaking about coaches, it just got announced that Shane Beamer is going to be named the head football coach at South Carolina. What are your thoughts there? I mean, think about this. Shane Beamer, obviously the son of Coach Frank Beamer, a legend, a college football Hall of Famer from Virginia Tech. He was an assistant under his dad. He was an assistant under Steve Spurrier at South Carolina. He was an assistant under Kirby Smart and the special teams coordinator at Georgia during the national championship run. And then he was an assistant and has been an assistant Um at Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Um, yeah. underneath Lincoln Riley. Not calling plays, but an assistant head coach. Gets the job. No head coaching experience. A lot of love from the former players. I was yep. reading that the athletic director was having Zoom calls, personal and group calls, and former players were vouching for Shane Beamer. Well, he got the job. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I was seeing all those comments from former players, and you know, he was there when they were rolling, you know, yeah. kind of the time when I was in school, 2010 to 2013, when they were able to recruit some of these top athletes that we just haven't really seen South Carolina have. And and, and we know the name of the game. It's 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 not the, about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. For and sure. you've got to bring in top tier talent. And he was there and, and I believe he was one of the top recruiters when it came to bringing these elite prospects into South Carolina. And now we've seen these guys take that jump to the NFL. And, and, and it, it definitely helps when you have those type of players that are saying, listen, this guy is tremendous. He understands what the culture needs to be at South Carolina. He's going to be able to go out there and, and bring in top recruits. Um, they're going to keep, um, uh, why am I drawing a break right now? Uh, the quarterback coach there. Um, who's the quarterback coach at South Carolina? Yeah, he played against me, a quarterback for South Carolina. Why am I drawing a damn blank um, right now? Yeah, Connor Shaw. Connor Shaw. Connor yep. Shaw is going to be there. I think that's a huge plus for him to keep Connor. Obviously, he's extremely well respected in that state. Um, you know, and I think just around SEC country. Connor's a guy that, you know, kids around the SEC 
grew up watching. Uh, they saw a ton of the great games that he played in. So, you know, it's about recruiting. Beamer's a great recruiter. Yeah. You, you keep a guy like him, you bring in some other pieces around him. Um, so I, I don't know what his involvement is going to be when it comes to playing, you know, play calling, whether it's offense, defense or special teams. I'm interested to see who he brings in as OCDC. Sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's the biggest the thing. thing. Yeah. You know, that, that it's recruiting and now it's bringing in an experienced offensive defensive coordinator to help you because you said it, Drew. I mean, the guy does not have head coaching experience. Obviously he's been around a ton of great head coaches. He's seen what it's like to want to have success at South Carolina. He's seen what it's ha- like to have success at Georgia and at Oklahoma and some of these other places, but it's still your first time, you know, calling the shots. So you're going to need some support, you know, kind of like what, what Sam Pittman did. Exactly. You know, he I was went just out about there to say and that. hired a great OC in DC. He hired Odom who has obviously head coaching experience there at Missouri. I think that's the same route that he needs to go. He needs to go out there and find a guy that was a former head coach, someone who he can kind of bounce ideas off of, off of, and, and, and a system and, and getting this team back to where they need to go in order to be competitive inside the SEC East. The athletic director, Ray Tanner, has continuously said they wanted to hire somebody who would open up the offense. So clearly yep. Shane Beamer coming from Oklahoma. Um, I would expect him to get a lesser name at OC, somebody with the experience in that Lincoln-Riley type spread offense system. <laughs> a yep. name that I could see him luring out of retirement for defensive coordinator is Bud Foster, longtime defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. Of course, coached for his dad for 20-plus years. I could see Bud saying, absolutely. Absolutely, Bud. I'll come help you for five years or so. Definitely help in recruiting. Bud never coached in the SEC, but always his name would get brought up. He would be a fantastic hire. Again, like you said, for Shane Beamer to solidify what he's trying to do at South Carolina. So we'll see. I know there's a lot of um, excitement about this hire. I'm happy for Coach Beamer. He was always extremely nice to me. Um, and I know all the players loved him when I would uh, help run the kicking camps at Georgia when he was a special teams coordinator. So shout out to Coach Beamer. Excited to see what he can do at South Carolina. All right, let's kind of run through this weekend real quick. Um, first thing I want to talk about is, of course, the the post-punt and pass news drop. We did our podcast late last Thursday night. Wake up Friday. I did a couple of radio interviews previewing the Georgia Vanderbilt game. And then like two hours later, the game got canceled. (laughs) Absolutely crazy how late this happened. Um, Greg McGarity, Georgia's AD, had some pretty pointed comments afterwards. He was extremely frustrated. And I think they might have gotten misconstrued a little bit, Aaron. But he clarified and said, listen... I said I was frustrated because I know the sacrifice that our student-athletes and that our coaches and that everybody in our administration goes through to make sure we can play football on the weekends. And he was essentially saying, we don't think Vanderbilt's done the same. You know, Vanderbilt's season is a lost cause. They just fired their head coach. The Sarah Fuller hysteria reached peak hysteria, if, if you can say that. Sorry to be repetitive. She just rang the bell at the Titans for the kickoff game yesterday at Nissan Stadium. It's just, it's crazy. Their radio broadcaster gets fired. I mean, they're supposed to be jumping on the plane, coming to Athens, and they said, no thanks, we're not going to play the game. Now, it's been rescheduled for December the 19th. A lot of games have been rescheduled for that weekend, which is conference championship weekend. The SEC championship is actually going to be played at 8 p.m., Aaron. I don't know if you saw that. So that'll be the last game of the day, conference championship weekend. But you know what? I highly doubt that game even happens, which is unfortunate because this was supposed to be senior day for the Georgia seniors, a class that's accomplished a lot of great things in Athens. And how about this? Okay. In this wild 2020, where everything looks vastly different, where Sanford Stadium is at 20% capacity or whatever it is, 
where budgets have been absolutely diminished. My sources tell me that just off this one game, even at 20% capacity, the athletic department will have to refund $1.1 million in tickets alone. So probably that's why McGarity was pretty pissed off when you're already taking a huge hit on the bottom line and then you have to refund $1.1 million worth of tickets if the game doesn't get rescheduled. And if it does get rescheduled, it's six days before Christmas. Like You just don't know. So I felt really bad for Georgia and Vandy. Come on, man. Come on. This was because of injuries, because of opt-outs, and then they threw the COVID excuse in there late. So I don't know. Any quick thoughts on that, Aaron? It's just wild how at the end of the season, you can literally just say, hey, I can't play. Watch out for Michigan to do that shit to Ohio State this weekend. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And, and listen, there's a lot of issues going on at Vanderbilt. We, we've talked about some of the players a little upset about um, the kicking situation and and their thoughts on that. And um, obviously it doesn't help when you haven't won a game this year. So I just think it's a program that is obviously spiraling downhill pretty good. And then you throw in the fact that you lost your head coach. So you, just for these kids, there's a, not, a lot to play for um, at this program right now. It just it, once again, they they – I just don't think the the the, the athletic department and, and the school in general really cares a lot about Vanderbilt football, which Doesn't is unfortunate. Like you're 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 in the SEC for goodness sakes, but they refuse to put money into the program. They refuse to improve the stadium, make a new build a new stadium, find a partnership for the stadium, new facilities. I mean, they just like whatever. Football's here, football's here, and uh, it's it's it really is. It's frustrating to see because you look around the SEC and all these other schools and. Good record, bad record, whatever. They're all fighting to play football games. They're fighting to find ways to improve their football team, whether it's new coaches, new facilities, bringing in top talent. And and it's just Vanderbilt refuses to do anything to help this football team. So uh, it just sucks, man. Like, like we said last week, I just feel like this would be such a great destination. And it is a great destination for kids that want to go to school. Oh, great academics. Idea. You're in Nashville. If you just would give a damn about football – I'm not saying it's a little turn bit. over overnight. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, all of a sudden, boom, pop up two years later, this team's great. But if you just were willing to, to like I said, build a new stadium, put in some money for, for facilities, I honestly think in five, six, seven years, Vanderbilt could be a good football team. Yeah, it really could. It's such a great destination. It, it's to me, it's the best city in the SEC when it comes to, you know, excitement. I love Athens. Don't get me wrong, but Nashville's awesome. That's a great no way to learn question. No question. No, I totally hear you on that one. Texas beat Kansas State 69-31 to this weekend. Um, there was a lot of rumors before the game that Tom Herman is going to get fired and that the boosters and the alumni have come together. They've put the cash together for his $25 million buyout, but it was also reported that they were targeting Urban Meyer. That's what they were doing. They wanted to fire Tom Herman. They wanted to hire Urban Meyer and go from there. Well, after this weekend, it's been now reported that Urban Meyer has turned down the job, said he's not interested. I'm not going to coach because of continued health reasons. Does Texas fire Tom Herman? Do they stick with him if they can't get Urban Meyer? And most importantly, is Urban Meyer just playing the leverage game, waiting them to back up and go north of $10 million a year to be coach? They need to pay him $10 million a year and just get it <laughs> yeah, over with. I mean, seriously. That, that's the kind of guy they need. They need Urban Meyer as their head coach. So Golly. If, if I, I'm, I'm gathering all the boosters I can get there in Austin and throughout the state of Texas and, and just open up your damn checkbook. We're writing Urban Meyer a big fat check, and we're going to win a national championship. 
in the next four years. I mean, you can't tell me if you if you hire Urban Meyer that all those kids in Texas that are going to Texas A and M, they're oh going my to God. schools, are unbelievable. Like, Holy crap! We have one of the best coaches in the past fifteen to twenty years now at Texas. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, be we're nuts. staying in state. We're going to Texas. I think he would turn that program into a powerhouse. Like I said, in I think two or three years. Yeah, that storyline is good. certainly not over. Um, and you know they have they have pinpointed Urban Meyer as the next guy. Do not let him tell you no. Is essentially what I hear you're saying, Aaron. And if the if he does tell him no, I think they'll stick with Tom Herman. Yeah, I, I really do. Uh, I just I don't, don't know, know where they would go. I mean, go after and, and to pay him twenty five million to go away. I mean, come on, that's craziness. Yeah. But I agree with you. All right, let's touch on Bama and Florida simultaneously, okay, because they're obviously going to play in two weeks in the SEC championship game. Bama wrapped up the West. Florida wrapped up the East this past weekend. Two questions at once. Bama, are they untouchable? And Florida, do they have a chance against the Crimson Tide? Because what we saw Bama do to LSU this past weekend, and LSU sucks, we know that, was nothing short of spectacular. I mean, their offense is clicking on all cylinders. It is insane how good their offense is, and their defense just continues to get better. On the flip side, Florida does what they do. Yes, there's questions on the defensive side of the ball, but how Dan Mullen is able to scheme Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, they're going to have some ways to make sure that game is interesting. Bama won 55-17. Florida beat Tennessee 31-19. to It is Kyle Trask versus Mac Jones for the Heisman, but here's the thing about that, Aaron. I don't think either of those guys are even the best players on their team. No, Devontae Smith is the best player on Alabama, and Kyle Pitts is the best player on Florida. It's crazy. Yeah, listen, I the more I continue to watch Alabama out and, and, and break it down their games and, and seeing the improvement on the defense side of the football, there is no way in hell Florida wins this football I game. I put so a tweet either. out yesterday, and I said, listen, what do, you, what do y'all think? Double digits or does Florida keep it close? And yeah, I put my comments in there too. I think I think Alabama can win this game by fifteen plus. Ugh. I honestly, yeah, I'd be interested in what the line is. They roll in this football game. There, there is no stopping them. And I'm with you right now, honestly. I, and I've said this, you know, for for a while. And I think I think most people would agree. Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Kyle Trask. Yeah, Trask is is putting up stupid numbers. I mean, just crazy numbers. I, I think 36, 37 touchdowns right now. Mac Jones has twenty seven. Mac is a better quarterback, no doubt about it. Three of players, three of the players for Alabama should be. If if there's a final four for the Heisman, it should be in no particular order of who wins. It should be Kyle Trask. It should be Mac Jones. It should be Najee Harris, and it should be yes. Devontae Smith. Yes, Alabama has three of the best four players in the <laughs> country playing right now. Listen to this I mean, before you keep Trevor going. Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence is the best player in the country, but you know Trevor Lawrence has been. You know, he's missed games. Yep. I mean, he wasn't super sexy this past week. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first big draft. Three of the best players in the country, the way they're playing football right now, is Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and Mac Jones. Listen to this. This is his past weekend statistics. Again, against LSU, but still. Mac Jones, 20 of 28 for 385 yards and four touchdowns. Devontae Smith, eight catches for 231 yards and three touchdowns, most in the first half. And Najee Harris, 21 carries. 145 yards and three touchdowns in one game. Yeah. These guys, how do you stop that triple threat? Um, and to your point you about Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, and I want your opinion here. When I watch Kyle Trask, the number one thing that sticks out to me 
is the lack of velocity on his passes. Yeah. He now he's have. throwing to wide open guys. I do like how he throws receivers open, but can he thread it? I, I don't necessarily think so. No. Um, it's such a catchable ball. It seems really spinny to me. It, does that make sense? Yeah. No, listen, he, he, he does throw. He, Kyle's great. And I love it because he's, he's all about timing, anticipation. The accuracy yeah, is tremendous. You know, some of these 50, 50 balls he throws really aren't 50, 50 because he puts it in a spot where his receiver is going to have a chance to make it. So it's more like a 70-30, I would say. And that's kind of even what Dan Mullen was talking about us in the pregame about where he puts the football to allow his big receivers to go out there and make plays. So, yeah, listen, Mac has played himself into the way he's playing, his arm strength, his movement in the pocket. Mac is, is to me, a legitimate first-round talent. Oh, he's a not top 10. Sure. But he, he's, he's a guy that could be mid to late first round, like someone trade that. up. Someone trade up in the second round and, and trade into like the number 26 pick in the draft to, to if they really want him to get him late in the first round. Trask is a third or fourth round draft pick. Yeah. He just doesn't have the arm strength to, to really excel at the next level. Great accuracy, great size, very, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, at that next level, those windows are tight. The coverages are tight. You got to have a little bit more zip on the ball. Not taking anything away from him he's done this year. Obviously, it's been absolutely tremendous. He deserves a, a spot in New York, but when it comes about taking that next level into the NFL, he's going to have a lot more of a challenge of, of competing on Sundays than, than a guy like Mac Jones, who I think, based on what he's done this season, is a little bit more prepared to, to, to have a chance to start in the NFL. So I don't know who's going to win the Heisman. Um, you know, I, I If you had a vote I, today, who now, would you vote for? But you would obviously save it until after the SEC championship game. I, I mean, for weeks now, I've kind of said that, listen, I think Kyle Trask has separated himself enough that regardless of what happens in the SEC championship game, you know, I think he wins it. Even if, like, you know, if the stats were close. From a statistical standpoint. Lose it, yeah, yeah, I think, like I said, the more I continue to watch Mac Jones and this offense and just how good he is, I'm 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 kind of on the thought now that it is it's going to be whoever wins the football game, which is unfair because Alabama is a better football team. But I, I I think it is going to be who wins that football game, unless Mac just completely craps the bed and they win it somehow. Regardless of that, uh, winner of that game wins it all. But I still think Devontae Smith deserves a spot. Oh even my God! Harris. Yeah, I tell you, if it's a four man thing, if they bring four guys, three of them should be Alabama players. That would be. That would be amazing. I mean, I don't know who else you would put in there. Uh, I mean, you know, after Trevor, after losing Trevor this weekend, Zach like Wilson probably isn't going to get an no. invite from BYU. And, and you're not taking anything away from Kyle Trask by saying that about his draft prospects. He was 35 of 49 this past weekend. Ho-hum, 433 yards and four touchdowns. And Kyle Pitts is tight end. Seven catches, 128 yards. So, look, it's just the stylistic thing as a quarterback. And, and yep. speaking of that BYU-Coastal Carolina game, late in the game, Zach Wilson trying to make stuff happen. You want to talk about velocity on a throw? That dude was throwing 100-mile-an-hour fastballs down the field, absolutely ripping the football, and Kyle Trask doesn't necessarily have that. That was an amazing game. Coastal Carolina, 10-point home underdogs, college game day, two undefeated 9-0 teams, and they beat BYU 22-17 to on a game that was scheduled on Thursday. So great action. Really cool great, for Coastal Carolina. Game. Mormons versus mullets. It was fun to watch. Yeah, and 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 listen, Coastal Carolina's offense is tough to prepare for in three days. I mean, you you kind of feel bad for BYU. I mean, to, to get up for that game, it's almost like that. It's like a gun version of the triple option. 
Um, and McCall, the quarterback for Coastal Carolina, was very accurate. But the biggest thing was Coastal Carolina's offensive line dominated BYU's defensive line, which I was just shocked. They had this play. It was actually like a center trap where both guard and tackle come down, center pulls around, and they were just gashing the dive play over and over and over and over right down the field. I mean, 281 yards rushing, 5.2-yard average. They dominated the line of scrimmage and, and just ate up the clock too. I mean, BYU, when I was watching the film yesterday, I only had like 60 plays or less than 60 plays, which is not a lot of plays in today's football game. No, not so, at all. So, I mean, they, they did what they needed to do. They up the clock. They ran the ball well, very effective in the red zone. Um, I do like Zach Wilson, though. He, he's, oh, a, yeah. he's just a – he's a little – he's he's an athlete, and 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 that's what I just love um, about him. And, and you know, that's what I'm going to tell little Maddox one day. Don't specialize in a sport. Just be an athlete. And that's when I, when I watch Zach Wilson, that's what he is. He's just an athlete playing football right now. He, he he's he's athletic. He makes plays. He runs. He dives. He slides. He throws. He's just like a a you know if you're playing a pickup football game in the backyard on Thanksgiving, give him the football and let him go do his thing. That that's kind of who he is. And and you look at the NFL nowadays. That's the type of quarterback that they want. They want guys who can make plays that are creative, that are fun in and outside the pocket, because it's just too hard to sit in the pocket and and think that you're gonna go drive after drive after drive after drive with a true pocket pass quarterback nowadays. You need the guy that's a little bit creative. So I love his game. He's fun to watch. Uh, good arm, good footwork. Uh, unfortunate they weren't able to win this football game. Like I said I think it was more to do with their defense, just inability to get off the field and stuff that Coastal Carolina offense and, and that run game. Yeah, no doubt. Do you know who the co-offensive coordinator at Coastal Carolina is? Drawing a blank. Uh, Willie Korn. Remember Willie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did not know that I saw this weekend. Willie Korn, uh, he was a, a high-profile recruit. I believe he's my age. He went to Clemson. And, um, yeah, good to see him finding some success with Coastal Carolina. I'll be really interested to see if Jamie Chalwell stays there. Probably not. He's a name to watch for some of these open head coach spots. All right, a couple more things. We'll wrap this up. Auburn loses to Texas A&M at home 31-20. to They were a very popular underdog going into that spot. They got blanked Intercept in the fourth the quarter, damn ball. seventeen to nothing. Aaron, seventeen to nothing in the fourth quarter. A and M outscored Auburn, and Gus Malzahn. I thought he was going to win. I don't think he's going to get fired. I think Auburn's going to stick with him. Tell me this: Did you watch any of this game? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Okay, I mean, did the you game see this? Change when the when when the interception went right through the Auburn defender's hands. That's and, correct, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, that was and, insane. And, um, and, and, I think it was what Weidemeyer caught it in the end zone. I mean, that that's. It's unbelievable. That, that, the game's completely different. And and Bo played fine. I thought Bo yeah. was pretty darn good. That run he had for the touchdown and a half. To me, the biggest difference in this game was was Kellen Mond's legs. Finally, the games that Kellen runs the football are some of his best games. Obviously, he's a lot more accurate this week than he was the previous week, but uh, that, a lot a lot had to do with him running the football. Um, what do you have? 60 yards rushing and a touchdown. So, I mean, good game. And that was a big game for AM. You know, I thought Auburn had a chance to win at home. Like I said, if they intercept that ball, I think they have a, obviously have a lot better chance of, of winning the game. Did you see late in the game, Texas AM kicked a field goal, okay, to go up 31? They were up 28 to 20 to go up 31. If you have it on your all 22, I want you to find it and watch it. Late in the game, minute and a half left, whatever. Sky Cam is showing their view. And the shadow of the sky cam, the shadow on the field, which is clearly moving as sky cam moves, goes 
directly over the spot of where the kid is kicking. Now, watch it. It's crazy. I saw it. I go, holy cow, is that even legal? I was thinking, who's doing this? The ESPN guy that's controlling it had to have thought to keep it out of the way of the spot where the kicker's looking. It was wild. I'm surprised. He would have missed it. I would have been blown away to see the reaction at him, at the coaches, at what would have happened. Again, that's just me being a weird specialist, thinking about the opportunity there. Uh, But A&M, outside shot to make the college football playoff. Here's a question for you, Aaron. Here is a question. Alabama blows out Florida in the SEC championship game. A&M's not going to lose their next two games. If Clemson loses in the ACC championship game to Notre Dame for the second time, can A&M sneak in to the college football playoff? They can. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're, they're, they're fifth right now. They're knocking on the door. They're winning games. Um, I just don't know if they're good enough to play and, and compete against. Obviously, I don't think anyone can compete against Alabama. But against, you know, Notre Dame or Ohio State, I just maybe it's just because I want Cincinnati to be in it so bad. Um, that I'm just continuing to be a little bit more negative against AM. But I just think they've, they've all season long, they've been hot and cold. They come out, they play great games, they play bad games, they play a great game, they play a bad game. They just have not been, in my mind, they haven't, they haven't won the eyeball test for me. They haven't been as consistent and as dominant week in and week out to say these guys are ready to go in there uh, and, 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 and compete against the big boy. So, but as of right now, the way the committee's put them at five, yeah, they're, they're going to get in. If Notre Dame does beat Clemson, which I think is definitely a possibility uh, once again, um, then, yeah, a and going to be in there, and, and Cincinnati's going to be on the outside looking in. I agree. It's going to be a fascinating finish to this season that has been nothing but fascinating all season long. Once again, I gave us wins for the Georgia-Vanderbilt game. We both picked Georgia minus 35 and a half, so that's my holiday gift to you, Aaron. I went 4-1. You went 2-3. and three. I'm 37-28 and 28 against God, the spread. I've been just crappling. I know. You're 31-34, and 34, oh. but um, there's room up to be made, and I crushed it on prize picks this weekend. If you listen to Rowdy Bowling, who was the lines maker, he essentially told us running quarterbacks tend to go over. I hit a um, two-pick for Kellen Mund and Bo Nix on Saturday. Thank you very much. And then yesterday, Taysom Hill and Deshaun Watson. Easy peasy. We will definitely get us Christmas gifts everywhere. That's it, baby. We'll get it back to some prize picks on Thursday. Anything on the way out, my man? No. Well, just got to get ready. I got Boise State at Wyoming. So actually my last game of the season. So uh, get ready for some cold weather. Things can be in the teens there in Laramie. All righty. Is that Saturday game? Saturday game. All right, Saturday game. Awesome. Awesome. Follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. Check out puntandpass.com, and we will talk to you on Thursday. See you.